Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This is incredibly important, and Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing, and I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to for him to do his job. What people forget is that governors are commanders-in-chief. We're responsible for the men and women of our National Guard. It's a heavy responsibility that weighs on our shoulders, and so we never engage our National Guard soldiers and those men and women unless it's incredibly important and if we feel that we have the constitutional authority to do that in this situation. It's nice to see people talking about the border. For a while there, it felt like it was only us. But the governor of South Dakota, Kristi Noem, one of the 25 governors, signing the letter showing support for Governor Greg Abbott, who has not defied a ruling from the United Nations. The United Nations... The United Nations, sorry, Supreme Court. I've got a UN story because uh, uh, they're supporting terrorists. I'll, I'll get to that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, I apologize. See, don't look at two things at once, Katz. you got to focus. Supreme Court said that the Biden administration can cut through razor wire put out by the state of Texas. It says nothing about whether or not Texas can put up more razor wire. Thus, Texas is doing so to slow the flow of people into Texas so they can be apprehended. To oppose this is madness. I guess Republicans just want to kill more children, want to see them drown in the Rio Grande. That's actually getting posted on social media. You understand what's happening there. There's no rationality taking place. Nothing about actually solving a problem. Rather, go to one's ideological fiefdom and be sure to show how woke you are, as opposed to recognizing that there's a problem. This happened on social media. This was sent to me. Republicans want to start a civil war over an immigration issue Donald Trump told them not to fix so he can win an election and escape prosecution for his crimes. Republicans and MAGA sold out our country to protect a con man, and then he says, and we, meaning the left, are radicals. Everything about that is insane. Certifiable. You have heard me discuss the border now for months, a year, more. When everybody else was focused on everything else, what were we saying, guys? The border is the most important story in America. We were well ahead of the curve. Governor Greg Abbott has to deal with an administration that refuses to recognize Article 4 of the, of the Article 4 Section 4 of the United States Constitution that refuses to recognize the powers given to the states as per the 10th Amendment. 
the humanitarian toll, the economic toll of the border is not just Texas to bear, Texas is to bear and bear alone. Thus, the sending of illegal immigrants all across America. And of course, when you send them all across America, you're told by the progressive left that you're a racist. The Chicago mayor said this, now Al Sharpton. Political side of the uh, proposed border uh, control uh, situation that uh, Trump is trying to manipulate. The politics of that is you also have Governor Abbott sending thousands of migrants into mostly Democratic uh, cities uh, that uh, black mayors are in charge. You have- Those are cities that have declared themselves sanctuary cities. You reap what you sow. I believe the expression is chickens coming home to roost. You think it's because they're black? The mayor of Philadelphia should be getting people as soon as possible. Danced when they became a sanctuary city. Actually danced. But all these cities, they thought it was so great and they thought they were so righteous. Deal with it. These people are not coming to Texas, they're coming to America, and America will deal with it. And by the way, so will your city very, very soon. No city will be immune. How could they be? But you'll notice even Al Sharpton decides, well, you see, this is about Trump. My God, we really are that broken as a society. Never mind that Congress can't get its stuff together, Republicans and Democrats, and recognize that there are policies that need to be passed, legislation that needs to be passed, policies need to be implemented that actually make things better. You need the technology to be able to know who's crossing the border. You need the wall to funnel people to the lawful ports of entry so you know who's coming into the country. These are rational pieces that need to be passed. Democrats want this to come along with funding for Ukraine. The problem is funding for Ukraine doesn't matter. I say this as a guy who believes we should send Ukraine bullets, and I know there are some of you out there who disagree with me. Then you want to send me some video from Tucker Carlson. I like Tucker. He's wrong on this one. (gasps) You can't say that about Tucker. I can. I did. I'll do it again. What, the guy can't be wrong? Um, That would be weird if the guy can't be wrong. He's wrong on this one. You send them bullets. And you make Vladimir Putin's life difficult. You don't send troops on the ground. You don't send money where you don't know where it's going. You don't send money to help them fill out their retirement accounts. No, 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 no. We'll help you live. The rest is up to you. By the way, this ends with Ukraine giving up land. You understand that, right? They're going to give up the Donbass. This is World War I entrenchment, full trench warfare, which means it's a war of human attrition, and Russia has more bodies they can throw at this than Ukraine. This ends with Ukraine giving up land. That's it. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. The writing is clearly there. 
The writing is clearly there that the border is going to get America destroyed. And there are some people who are okay with this. And then there are some people who are unwitting to this because they would rather make this political than rational. They'd rather make it about Trump. They'd rather make it about evil Republicans. With all due respect, no one has time for your crazy. You need technology on the border to know who's crossing. You need to continue to build the wall, which is really a fence, so you can funnel people to areas so you know how they're coming in. You need to have more Border Patrol agents. You need to have a Remain in Mexico policy. You need to punish nations that do not do more to keep people from making this dangerous trek, including Mexico. And it must be done separately from anything regarding Ukraine. And if Democrats don't like it, No one cares. Lives are at stake, and they're American lives. So shut up. Stop telling us about your problems. Stop whining, crying, complaining. Stop it. Just start engaging policies that work. Not comprehensive immigration reform. We're not giving citizenship. It was Representative Ocasio-Cortez in one of the more mind-numbing, foolhardy statements ever made because... That's what she does. You know, you would end the problem with undocumented people by simply, you know, documenting them. From all parts of the political spectrum, one of the biggest issues that we have when it comes to immigration is the fact that we have an undocumented population. Mm -hmm. Now, you can fix that by trying to build a wall. Or you can fix that by trying to document people and create a path to citizenship. I'll go with the first one. And then we'll be able to actually know who's coming into the country. Because the pathway to citizenship is the incentive to break the law. And why would anybody be in favor of such a thing? Because you want the voters? I know, speaking of Tucker, there's that video going around uh, talking about what what the plan is. I don't think there was anything new in that video. Of course it's been the plan. Of course there's an objective to create new voters out of people coming to the country illegally. Without question, as Representative Ocasio-Cortez just told you, that is the plan. But in the same exact way, this is a terrible idea predicated on the idea that everybody coming across the border is nice and sweet and kind and loving and giving and caring and just looking for a better way of life. You have got the people coming across the border who are only interested in death and destruction, only interested in causing harm. We forget this guy so quickly. If you are smart enough, you would know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Soon you're going to know who I am. That's not a guy happy to be in the United States, thankful to be in the United States, wanting a better life. That's a punk. That's a guy you want to slap at the bar. Now, he also could be the guy who spent 12 12 years in prison in Azerbaijan for arms trafficking. That's what is, uh, is thought, we think he is, right now who knows whether or not he's been apprehended no wonder greg abbott the governor of texas is engaging every means possible to ensure the safety and security of texas no wonder he is and it's no wonder that governors are supporting him president biden and his administration reads the letter the governor signed 
have left Americans in our country completely vulnerable to unprecedented illegal immigration pouring across the southern border. Instead of upholding the rule of law and securing the border, the Biden administration has attacked and sued Texas for stepping up to protect American citizens from historic levels of illegal immigrants, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and terrorists entering our country. The letter continues, quote, we stand in solidarity with our fellow governor, Greg Abbott, and the state of Texas in utilizing every tool and strategy, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. We do it in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who entered our country illegally. Now, you know that people are coming across and all right here here's your 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 paper uh uh you have to be in front of a judge uh in five years i'm sorry did you say five years yeah five years five years it'll go quick it'll go quick five years we're saying this all over the place and we're just letting people into the country and no it isn't a proper vetting process as far as i'm concerned The governors continue, I quote, the authors of the U.S. Constitution made clear that in times like this, states have a right to self-defense under Article 4, Section 4, and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional compact duties to the states, Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and our nation. Governor Ivey of Alabama, Dunleavy of, of, of Alaska, uh, Sanders, Sarah Sanders of Arkansas, DeSantis of Florida, Brian Kemp of Georgia, Brad Little of Idaho, Eric Holcomb of Indiana. Now, uh, I, I live in Indiana, so I've been following. Uh, no statement specific from Governor Holcomb, but he is, according to all the reporting, uh, a signer of this letter. Kim Reynolds of Iowa, Jeff Landry of Louisiana, Tate Reeves of Mississippi, Mike Parsons, Missouri, Greg Gianforte, Montana, Jim Pillen of Nebraska, Lombardo, Governor Lombardo of Nevada, Chris Sununu of New Hampshire, Doug Burgum of North Dakota, Mike DeWine of Ohio, Kevin Stitt, Governor of Oklahoma, Henry McMaster of South Carolina, Christy Nome, South Dakota, Bill Lee, Tennessee, Spencer Cox, Utah, Greg, uh, sorry, Glenn Youngkin, Virginia, Jim Justice of West Virginia, and Mark Gordon of Wyoming. That's who signed the letter. At a time like this, it is imperative that the people who engage the politics of but Trump be told to but kiss off. We're talking about our lives here and and America's future. They're not serious about it. They want to scream Trump. I can show you where Republicans and Democrats and Democrats and Republicans have failed epically for two decades. Do I hear three? We're not interested in playing a blame game. Here are five pieces of legislation. Here's what will work. Let's go do it. Here is what we have on the books. Let's go implement it. Here's the technology need. Let's go do it. Sorry, Ukraine doesn't come now. Ukraine comes later because Ukraine's not as important as the southern border. No Ukrainian is as important as any American. Not a single one, I didn't say they weren't important. I just said they weren't as important as Americans. I rank these things. I put the children being trafficked by the cartels ahead of the Ukrainians. Me, I rank these things. But any American who doesn't rank the needs of Americans and American kids and American lives first is unserious. And we should tell them that they're unserious.
The demands are simple. Protect the country. And if Joe Biden doesn't want to do it, my God, how easy are you going to make it for Donald Trump? And for the people screaming that Trump is orchestrating this, this problem exists long before Trump got here. Trump took the first, maybe the biggest action you've ever seen regarding a wall to limit this by forcing people into these ports of entry so they could be apprehended. Or at least force them into areas where they could be apprehended, period. We have a problem. If you don't want to fix it, get out of the way. And if you don't get out of the way, we should push you out of the way. The country demands that we protect every Republican and every Democrat. I think elected officials should go do that. And if they won't do it, I think we should get rid of elected officials. And the states that are willing to fight should fight like all bloody hell. They've got my support. I'm Tony Katz. So Leah Thomas, who is a man, swimmer, I mean, launched the career of Riley Gaines. I don't think Riley Gaines really wanted this, but she happens to be very, very good at it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Leah Thomas is a man who believes in abusing women uh, by saying I should be allowed to swim uh, competitively against them and then, you know, take trophies from them. Leah, you can call yourself Leah if you want, still a man, hired a Canadian law firm to speak to the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Switzerland to overturn rules imposed by World Aquatics because he, Leah Thomas, wants to try out for the Olympics. World Aquatics says uh, that if you have undergone any part of male puberty, you don't get to take part in a female category. Right. Right, 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 and correct. So now you want to sue for the right to abuse more women. It, it is what it is, what it is. It's abuse. Uh, it, it is my sincerest hope that um, this is, of course, a thrown out. And certainly uh, would be my hope that anybody competing in the Olympics doesn't go along with this. Now, that's a hard thing to ask because you're telling people, hey, you've trained your whole life and now stand on my principles and stop. Don't swim. That's um, that's a hard thing to ask. It is. Uh, I, I, rather, uh, it would be better if um, we just said no. We just said no. You want to live your life a certain way. I don't get to tell you what to do. You're you're an adult. Children's a much different subject, but you don't get to live your life for other people. And abusing women should be met with a demand to stop. A forceful demand to stop. An unrelenting demand to stop. A we will not stop demanding until you stop. And every now and again we'll remind you that you tried to tell these women to lay back and take it. It's an obscenity. And the people who defend this, that's a lot of evil. 
Meanwhile, we'll see uh, what happens in 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 the in the courts. The World Aquatics Group is not commenting on uh, the, the the legal challenge. And for the record, when groups like People Magazine or, or whoever it is refers to Leah Thomas as she, you're part of the problem. Stop lying. Lying is never good. Leah Thomas will always be a man until the day he dies. And that's just the way it is. I'm Tony Katz. I'm going to err on the side of more freedom and personal choices of those kinds of things. And I made that same argument when I wanted to legalize marijuana. Like, and you know, half of, more than half a million Americans die every year from smoking and t- tobacco, uh, or you know, tens and tens of thousands die from alcohol. And I think there's bigger issues to address than than that product. So I, I don't support, and I would never in, uh, support snuff or chewing tobacco, but it's available. That's Senator John Fetterman siding with Zinn, this nicotine pouch. You've got Senator Chuck Schumer and others who want to go after it, want to ban it, get rid of it. And he's like, no, I'm going to err on the side of of more freedom. And people want to do it. I don't think they should, but they can. Oh, my gosh. The stroke fixed him. I don't. There comes a moment where you're like, I don't know what I'm looking at now. I don't understand what has happened. I couldn't tell you. This is all nutty. I wonder if the people of Pennsylvania are happy. Oh, they were happy to vote for him over uh, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz. Oh, they were they were happy uh, to elect him even though he had had the stroke and he could not communicate. He wasn't okay. And it was it, it to, for just for the sake of clarity. So we understand each other. It was disgusting that his family let him do this. I think abusive. I haven't changed on that. But clearly he is now able to understand the questions asked of him, and he's able to answer in cogent sentences. I wouldn't call him the most eloquent guy or the most loquacious guy, but he's putting together full sentences, and they make sense. Supporting uh, Israel? How could you not note? How could you say there's nothing wrong with the southern border? There's clearly a crisis on the southern border. Hey, I don't think people should do chewing tobacco, but I'm going to err on the side of more freedom. Who is this guy? And are the people of Pennsylvania in any way, shape, or form Happy about it. Happy about what they got uh, in, in, in the end. And how exactly is he going to let us down? <laughs> like three months from now. I don't know if I said hello. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is the number. Feel free to be a part of the show. Ask me mostly anything. Agree, disagree. Would love to hear from you. 833 
got Tony. I saw a post um, from Josh Hammer. And uh, the post, uh, by the way, Josh Hammer is the uh, editor-at-large over at Newsweek. And the post was was that the UNRWA is a terrorist organization. And I'm like, oh, well, it's not. You're going to get me to disagree. The UNRWA is United Nations Relief and Works Agency. And the minute you heard United Nations, you're like, well, everything's possible. Let's learn more. Terrorist organization, Josh. What's the story? The story is, is that the United States has put a pause on funding the United Nations Relief and Works Agency over claims that the staff was involved in the October 7th terrorist attack from the terrorist organization Hamas that murdered 1,200 Israelis and others and raped women and burned women and children alive and kidnapped children and the elderly. The UNRWA is claiming that it has fired several people, a full investigation into information that has been supplied by Israel, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, who has spent his time excoriating Israel for uh, his existence, for their existence, right? Excoriating Israel for not just giving in, claiming he was, quote, horrified by this news. Horrified. There are still over 100 hostages being held by Hamas, children being held in cages. It used to be uh, that that was a, a thing. Right, We didn't like that. Now, uh, I guess it's fine. The U.S. State Department said it was extremely troubled by the allegations of U.N. staff involvement in the attacks. Let's make sure that we all understand each other. Is there any question? And if you say, well, I would like at least an investigation to know, is there any question as to whether or not the United Nations is chock full of Jew haters. The UN has so many Jew haters, you would think it was the US Congress. I mean, it is just lousy with them. Lousy. And what's really sad about this is that when they get together for breakfast, no bagels. That's, I mean, look, you you set the rules. An aide to the, uh, advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister uh, told the BBC that the Hamas attacks had involved, quote, people who are on the UNRWA salaries. His name is Mark Regev, or maybe it's Regev. Uh, Information showing that teachers working in UNRWA schools had, quote, openly celebrated the attacks. And an Israeli hostage, hostage who had been released stated that she had been held in the house of someone who worked for UNRWA. I think very few of us are surprised by the allegation because somewhere without, you know, not that we spend all our day thinking about it, we would have gone, oh, the UN? Yeah, I could see it. Right? It may not have been, oh, absolutely, 100%. Who doubts it? For some some of you, it it may have been totally that. But for a lot of us, it would have just been like, yeah, I could see it. That's the United Nations. Never met a despot they didn't like. And in every single way, 
trying to find a, a way to blame Israel. For, I'm surprised they didn't blame Israel for COVID. Always blame Israel. Always go after Israel. But this is really much more than a story just about uh, their, their hatred of Israel. What value does the United Nations bring us? And this is about friends and allies. And about how we see the world. You can internalize this, if, if you will. Are you friends with people who suck the energy right out of you? Are you friends with people who, when you leave, you're like, you know what? That's a bad dude. That's a bad person. They're a bad guy. Sometimes you drop a friend because they just take the life force out of you. They're draining, draining people, and, 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 and rightfully so. Who needs that? You want people who are, you know, sometimes a friend's having an issue. You're there for a friend. Sometimes the issue lasts a long time. Sometimes it's a big issue. I'm not saying don't be a friend. You know, it's Letterkenny. When a friend asks for help, you help them. But if the friend is always asking for help and never providing any help, uh, that's not a friend. That's someone who's draining you dry, and there's a time to, all right, you got you to gotta go, kitten. I, I, I can't have you in my life. The purpose of the United Nations at this stage of the game is the idea that the conversation and the communication is valuable. We need to be talking to each other. We need to be sharing with each other. We need to find ways to work together, whether it is to uh, uh, resolve conflict or alleviate issues, to provide something better. The question before us is, let's take the last 20 years. What has the UN done to make anything better anywhere? And you could take that from a, from a United States point of view and ask how the lives of Americans are better with funding of the UN and in, in the, in the massive amount of funding. It's, it's on U.S. soil and, and everything else. Um, what have they done for the world? Whose life is better outside of those who get to work at the UN in this great piece of real estate and expense every meal they've ever had? That's a question. A worthwhile question. And I don't, I don't know where lives are better. I do know where money gets stolen, money gets wasted. I am fully aware of how they always side with the most awful, and they always want to find fault with those who are not awful. The United States is always wrong. Israel is always wrong. Somehow China lying about the origins of COVID. Eh, whatever. Libya and Cuba get to be on some kind of human rights council because, you know, they don't deal in any abuses. It's madness. And we have noticed this for a long time. But we haven't yet asked the question, what's the point of it all? Now, someone could say, well, Tony, you keep your friends close, you keep your enemies closer. It's like, oh, oh, is that the, is that the way we're playing it?
I don't think that's actually the point. And I don't think we actually get enough benefit from it. But if the UNRWA was involved, then yes, the terrorists. And this leads us to something else that we have to discuss out loud. There are indeed some cultures that cannot be reasoned with. You can't make anything better. You cannot change where they are or where they are at. And we should accept the fact that while it would not be true of everyone because there's never 100% to a set, we should be clear that in Gaza, the majority of people want Israel destroyed and Jews dead. And that's going to put a serious crimp on the idea of a two-state solution. Considering, of course, they don't believe that Israel should be a state at all. And considering, of course, those of us who believe that Israel has the right to exist and the right to defend itself. Some people say, uh, if you do that, you're a Zionist. Well, my name is Tony Katz and I'm a Zionist. I apologize for nothing. For nothing. But you can't get to a two-state solution. Biden keeps pushing for a two-state solution. He thinks he can do this. Then again, this is the guy who thought he could create a relationship and bring Iran to the table. But we just stated there are some cultures and some philosophies that you simply cannot reason with. Yet there he is. There he is. This recognition is why you have the stories about Netanyahu rejecting Palestinian sovereignty. Ah, you get rid of Hamas and the Palestinians will just govern themselves. They can't govern themselves. They can't. How would that work? How would it work? The only way to keep Hamas out is to actively engage in a way that keeps Hamas out from reforming, from rebuilding. Do I want a free Gaza? It doesn't bother me none. But we got to be honest about the thing. It's been decades of the people of Gaza living under the hellscape of Hamas. They want to call Gaza, the left likes to call Gaza an open-air prison. Sure, Hamas is the warden. And Hamas decides who gets to leave, and Hamas gets to decide who gets a visitor. And if you get too uppity, Hamas kicks your ass. That's what we know to be true. Now... You've done everything in your power to destroy Hamas, which should be destroyed because it's a terrorist organization. How do you ensure that what remains starts to have the opportunity to get it out of their head that Israel's their enemy, and here they are in this land with some incredible beachfront property, now go build a hospital. Now go build a life. And maybe engage in education for your kids that doesn't include, here's how you kill the Jews. You have to do that by having some, the only way to do that is by having someone, some organization, some group, some nation, keeping an eye on the thing. Israel said it should be Israel. And everyone was like, oh, how dare you? Well, they're probably the best choice. 
What are you going to suggest? The United Nations? Those Jew haters are lousy with terrorists who may have been involved in the AA planning or B execution of October 7th. So they're out, right? This story goes in a lot of directions and takes you down a lot of roads. Just as much as it has to be remembered that there is no rationalizing or reasoning with certain cultures and certain philosophies. One has to note that the United Nations provides no value. And either we make changes so it does, or why don't we talk about walking? I'm Tony Katz. So according to Pew Research, Biden's job approval is 33% and his disapproval is 65%. And holy cow, that's bad. And producer Carl, Carl's in today. It, it was over at Fox. Uh, the the argument that some people were making is that his uh, a job approval is so bad because he doesn't take enough credit for all the things he's done right. Yeah, that was the graphic on Fox News. That was the graphic. Ah, okay. So this has people arguing that Biden is done. He's finished. Anybody could beat him. It's over. Now I ask you, what does this tell you? The approval for Joe Biden is 33%. The disapproval is 65%. He's underwater with people who are white, black, Hispanic, Asian. Uh, oh, post-grad likes him 50 to 49. So the elitists. College graduates, uh, 36% approval. No college and ages 18 to 29. 18 to 29, disapproval is at 71%. What does that tell you? You know the answer. That's right. There's no chance he's the nominee. Start planning accordingly. This is Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The RNC is out of their head. And the only person who seems to be making any sense is Donald Trump. Now that, for a lot of people, is a very strange statement. Certainly Trump is making more sense than the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who, after getting like embarrassed by Tucker Carlson who went to go give a speech and 8,000 people show up he's engaged in commentaries like this my very first call this year was with Volodymyr Zelensky who wanted to know that Canada still stood with him that Canadians still stood with him and I told him yes we do the Canadian government and most of the parties in the house will continue to stand with him 
But Pierre Polyev and his conservatives chose to vote against support for Ukraine, calling it a faraway foreign land to appease Putin apologists like Tucker Carlson and those who enable him. But while he does that, we have people like Yvonne Baker. Uh, we don't care who you think you have people like. Are they also friends who do blackface? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I think Tucker's wrong about Ukraine. Therefore, Putin apologist, do you see how this works? The difference in the two conversations, I just think the dude is wrong. That's a far cry from Putin apologist. You're 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 Justin Trudeau. You have been a terrible Terrible authoritarian leader of Canada. You've been abusive to the people. Demands and force and and freezing bank accounts and going after truckers. Anybody doesn't agree with you is a Putin apologist? No, I don't think that Tucker Carlson is a Putin apologist. Just don't. I don't even know what it would be an apologist for. The whole thing is nutty because it isn't predicated on some idea of of data. It's predicated on the idea of you don't agree with my foreign policy, though, so therefore you must be bad. As opposed to we disagree. This story, I, I think, is great. You should you should you should see the response that that, that Carlson got. Just massive, massive stuff. But I said this is a story about Trump making sense. And and I should be clear, I don't think Trump always does. I have I have argued numerous times when he was president that if there's anything I hate out there, it is an unforced error. I cannot stand unforced errors. And I think Trump makes a fair number of them. Drives me nuts. Always has. And very often it's when he's having conversations about person X or person Y or the news story is hurting somebody else, but it's not really about him. So he brings it back to him. It's 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 ridiculous. Unnecessary. Always drives me crazy. This isn't him. This is the RNC. The Republican National Committee is a ridiculous group of people. And whoever thought it was okay to put Rona McDaniel in charge and keep her in charge was wrong. I, I, I won't get into to name calling or, or pointing at anybody named Donald. I won't do it. I'm not going to do You might do that, but you're a terrible person, not me. Uh-uh. Good old Tony ain't going to make that happen. No how. The RNC, the Republican National Committee, which I guarantee you has done zero work to prepare for the 2024 election, to have the lawyers ready to go, to work on states and how they engage their election laws to ensure that they're fair and not allow this mass level of mail-in voting that creates the opportunity for fraud, I guarantee you that the RNC has done nothing on nothing to prepare for 2024. Well, Tony, the left steals elections, so we need Trump, and, then, and that's the way we're not going to have the election stolen. What has the RNC done? What has he done? What have, what have they done? 
Yeah. You want to argue that all elections are stolen, then you're not going to tell me what it is the RNC has done not to steal the election. But Trump is the only guy who can win the election, but we're not doing anything to ensure elections aren't stolen. Kitten, it ain't for me to figure out that mathematics. That's for you. You decide how that works. But this is where the RNC is, instead of focusing on an issue I would agree is pretty dang important. The RNC is reviewing a draft resolution that, and I, and I will, will, will read it to you, resolved that the Republican National Committee hereby declares President Trump as our presumptive 2024 nominee for the office of President of the United States, and from this moment forward moves into full general election mode, welcoming supporters of all candidates as valued members of Team Trump 2024. Now, this is in contrast to uh, Trump putting out the statement that if you supported Nikki Haley, you're, you're never welcome on Team MAGA, which was a ridiculous thing to say, a ridiculously foolhardy thing to say. Put it on Truth Social. Ridiculous. I don't know if he wrote it or one of his team wrote it. It was ridiculous. This statement says, hold my beer. This is insane. The RNC wants to forego the primary process Tell Nikki Haley to kiss off and just by declaration, not by the voter, Trump's the guy. Thank you very much. I noted in my show sheet, which you can get at TonyCats.com when you're a subscriber, you'll get it every Monday through Friday, that if you can support this, but you had an issue with Carrie Lake from Arizona being offered a bribe to get out of the race for Senate, then you need some time alone with your thoughts. What's the difference? Nothing. In one case, you got a you got a gig and you got some cash to get out of the race. In the other case, you don't get anything. We just push you out of the race. If you're okay with one and not the other, whoo, you got you got to have some alone time and, and figure out your issues. Now, there's a counter argument. This is what the left does. It's total control of the party. That's how you got to do things. Total control of the party is exactly how Donna Brazile and Hillary Clinton showed Bernie Sanders the exit. Sorry, sucker. You got to go. This is mommy's time. I don't know if she referred to herself as mommy or if Donna Brazile referred to Hillary Clinton as mommy, but one could assume that a conversation like that happened. They just took it away from him. Sorry, not going to be you. Have a nice day. That's what they do. That's the level of control and power Democrats have. That's not usually a Republican way. Yet here's the Republican saying, let's end this. Rally around Trump. Move on. Enter the president of the United States, the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Hello. Hey, sir. Was just talking about you. He puts out a statement on Truth Social that says, uh, we shouldn't do this. Quote, while I greatly appreciate the Republican National Committee wanting to make me their presumptive nominee, and while they have far more votes than necessary to do it, I feel for the sake of party unity that they should not go forward with this plan, but that I should do it the old-fashioned way and finish the process off at the ballot box. Thank you to the RNC for the respect and devotion you have shown me, Trump 2024.
That's right. That's the only answer. The RNC is out of their minds. Out of their minds. For thinking they should be the decider. And not the people. That's crazy town. Now, Nikki Haley, what she's desperate for, never mind uh, just wanting to be relevant in general, she's desperate to get Trump in a debate. And and, and her, her answer, her response, her, her, her theory is that if you really, really want to test your acuity, you'll uh, you'll debate me. I'm gonna get into that story in in a little bit. But back to 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 Trump and the RNC. What is the the rush? What's the purpose of making the statement? Well, Tony, it's over, and you'd save a lot of money this way. Maybe. You'd save some money this way. Maybe you would. Maybe you want to keep more of that money to go up against Joe Biden. I keep trying to tell you you're not going up against Joe Biden. I and I have no idea if anybody's actually preparing for that. What this smacks of is this thing that the, the, the political left keeps saying. That people are afraid of Trump. Uh, and and they don't want to get in his way, and they just appease him. Um, this is not. This is not, the kind of thing, that makes one think that the Republican Party today, has. Got it all together. It's it's the kind of thing that, as a conservative who aligns and votes with the Republican Party, but I have voted a libertarian before. I have never voted Democrat. Um, what What is it that you want? I only want the people to figure this one out. I only want the people to decide it. Because if you could do this, why didn't we do this, you know, three months ago and just give it to Ron DeSantis. I still think he's an easier lift. In a general, I know some of you don't. Please leave your phone calls for others. I'm not listening anyway. (laughs) You can email me, though. I do read emails. But some of the messages I get, oh, guys, with, I get passion, but dear Lord, the lecturing. (laughs) But wouldn't, wouldn't that be the same thing? You would not have accepted that. You would not have wanted that. You would not have allowed that. Why do it? There, there is an issue at play with with the Republican Party involving just a, a lack of willingness to be rational. I find it to be a problem because there is no need for this. There is a great need to focus on how you're going to stop any shenanigans and where is the move on that? Shouldn't that be your focus? The people will figure out the nominee you make sure that the vote is safe so the nominee can actually get the votes. That I have to explain this? That we have to question this? Makes me think we're in for a hell of an election. 
I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Joe Biden at the brewery is just his desire to be a caricature is overwhelming. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. You already know that trying to figure out what Joe Biden is saying in any given moment is extremely difficult to do. Extremely difficult. Does he know where he's at? Does he know the subject at hand? And then just the presentation, whether it's the slurring or the stumbling, the mispronunciations to the point of questioning his mental state. I mean, it's it's become now fodder, and, and that's a real problem because if we laugh it off, we forget how serious it is. But when this happens in front of a brewery, Well, then, my God, it's just, it's just gold, people. Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. Say what? The beer is behind him. And there he is in all his Joe Biden glory. Sounding like this. The beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider. Thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. I have no idea. Neither do you, neither does he, neither does anybody. I don't know what anybody's laughing at. They don't know what he said. Nobody knows what he said. And then he starts talking about Tammy Baldwin and Senator Klobuchar and Tina Smith, and he gets to whispering again. And thanks to the outstanding senators, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin. Tammy's and Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith from the state of Minnesota. I have all three of them on my side. I don't worry about anything. Okay. Don't you worry that Amy Klobuchar might throw a stapler at you? And I swear, uh, Tammy Baldwin might, might be the only one who looks at Joe Biden and goes, that's an intellectual. <laughs> that's a good Tammy Baldwin joke. I apologize for nothing. And then, whilst he's still there, Brewery Biden, oh, he's got the data, people. 14 million new jobs since I became president. 169 new jobs in Wisconsin. Hold on, hold on. I, I got I to gotta do that math really quick. Can you give me those numbers again, sir? 14 million new jobs since I became president. 
169 new jobs in Wisconsin. So 14 million new jobs, but only 169 of them in Wisconsin. So 169, 169 divided by 14 million, right? Is that the is that the way I would do it? Point zero 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 one two zero seven. My gosh. With odds like that, you're going to make it into the Hall of Fame in no time. First, he didn't create 14 million jobs. Secondly, one uh, tenth, hundred thousand, ten thousand, one one hundred thousandth of those jobs. Do I have that right? It would be in in Wisconsin. Why do you hate Wisconsin so much? Clearly, you enjoyed their beer. Why do you hate them so much? That's just that is just wrong. None of this makes him look good. None of this makes Biden look like a guy who's of the people or, um, you know, spry with it. You know, we go back to the, those those numbers and his his approvals, 33 um, percent. This doesn't make it go to 34 percent. This is why there's nothing to approve of. As a person, you got to start accepting the fact, if you're on the left, that the approval is has nothing to do with policy. It's the guy. The guy, as a person, is not what the people accept, is not what the people approve of. And I'll say it again for those of us in the cheap seats. He's going to be replaced. So now I ask the RNC, which wants to hand Trump the nomination before the primaries. Are you focused on that? No, I didn't think so. Start keeping an eye on the failure of the RNC. Because if if anyone knows how to fail, it's them. So the Pacers are going to send somebody to the All-Star game, which is good because Indianapolis is hosting the All-Star game. And as for those Pacers, you lose to the Nuggets, you beat the 76ers. Again, I don't know what this team is. And is Siakam going to be the difference maker? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5-1075 The Fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana, uh, Tyrese Halliburton making uh, uh, the the All-Star team there. Uh, This is great for the All-Star game because the hometown crowd's going to want to see it uh, for sure. But for the Pacers, you got to feel like, okay, maybe we do actually have something here. I assume one guy getting on the team makes the whole team feel better. No, there's no question about that because we, we talked about this before. You could make a legitimate argument throughout the landscape of the NBA that nobody is more valuable to their team in terms of winning and losing than Tyrese Halliburton is to the Pacers. And, uh, again, you, you look at Embiid last night, you look at Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown with Boston, uh, Giannis in Milwaukee, and 
you know, you see these guys as elite level players, there's no doubt. But in terms of helping his team win, helping better everybody around him, that's exactly what he does. And that that's such a missing piece without him. And that's what made last night and that went over Philly even more impressive. Not only that, but, you know, you get Joel Embiid coming off a 70-point effort against San Antonio. You know, he scored, what, 31 last night? That is, um, you know, people are going to go, wow, you know what? A lot of defense right there. Still scored over 30, but that was a huge win for them defensively against him, for Miles Turner defensively against him, who has not fared well in the past, and just a much-needed win in general for the Pacers as they try to navigate this rough patch without, again, the most valuable player to his team around the NBA. That's who Tyrese Halliburton is to them. But is that what we're, is, is that the total blame? Let me give you the last couple games, and this time I got the, the, the schedule right here. You lose to the Jazz on the 15th. You beat the Kings on the 18th. You lose to the Trailblazers on the 19th. You lose to the Suns on the 21st. You lose to the Nuggets on the 23rd. You beat the 76ers on the 25th. You'll face the Suns again uh, tonight. Is that all Halliburton? It is a large part of Halliburton, and here's why. But people do, and you bring this up smartly, do confuse things because people want to point to, well, they just can't guard anybody. Or, you know, like MB last night, have they lost that? Or, you know, with Jokic, for example, Tony, going back to Tuesday with the defending champions in town, Jokic and Murray, uh, it's their defense. It's not their defense. This team is a big, fat, donut hole offer when they don't score 110 or better. When they get up into the 130s, they are unbeaten. So this team had been struggling because those two games we're talking about, and really even going back to last Friday night in Portland when Halliburton played and probably shouldn't have played, you're not getting the offense. You're not getting near at those moments near the 125 average that they put up per game. That's where their problem is. Their defense, Tony, is actually getting better. You can run the numbers. Their defense collectively is getting better. Their offense was sputtering and slacking, and we saw that get back into gear last night. That is most important in terms of winning to this Pacer team. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, and clearly I have a problem with my headphones because you just said that the Pacers' defense is getting better, and I'm looking at at uh, the scores here, and there is never a moment that a team is not scoring at least 110 on the Pacers. So tell me more about their defense getting better without <laughs> laughing. Tony, it is, man. That, that is, I mean, better under their circumstances, right? Better than what they had been. And we've talked about this. There is no magic elixir here that all of a sudden you're going to down and then come out and be, you know, the, the 1995 Knicks or pay, play 1995-level NBA ball and hold a team under 100. It's just not going to happen. Offenses now are very good, really too good, and then the rules are also kind of lean to help the offense out more, just like in the NFL, than it is anything else. And the defense already playing behind the eight ball, so you're not – you're not going to magically be transformed into this great defensive team. But what you had to do, Tony, is you had to take baby steps. You had to get better slowly but surely. And then you can't afford to lose any amount of your offensive night in and night out output. It is, in terms of the, of the uh, Pacers right now, the best defense is a great offense. You can still get 
better, and they have been game to game, holding down those averages. And we may laugh. You're talking about, you know, 117 or whatever in the 100 teams. But if you're putting up 125 per game, that is good. And that's better than giving up around about 25 and then having to fight for your life, you know, to try to end the game. And I'll give you another aspect of this, Tony, that you can watch for and report back to me. We'll talk about this later on in the season. You want me to report back to you? Yeah, yeah, report back to me and then see what you think and see if I'm right about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself on your report card to watch, if that's okay. That's so right. watch in-game situations with the Pacers. In-game situations where, all right, so the opposition's put up 120, but are they getting late-game stops? That's something else during that losing skid that they weren't getting. They weren't getting late-game stops. They weren't getting late-game stops against Denver. We certainly didn't see that with Brogdon and Jeremy Grant going back to last week in Portland. Didn't see that late. Buddy Hill was so good in Phoenix last Sunday, but man, they worked him over from Durant to Booker to Beal on the offensive end, on the Phoenix offensive end, because the Pacers could not get late game stops. Oftentimes, oftentimes you can't, you can get away with having a so-so to not even so-so defense if you get those late game stops. And this is magnified with how this Pacers are being built and how it plays now. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, fixed his uh, connection right there. Let's move it over to the NFL. First, let's talk Jim Harbaugh, the new coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, leaving the University uh, uh, of Michigan. Uh, the, the, the knock is, A, a little cuckoo, and, and B, Look how far he'll try and bend things in order to get what he wants. You know, people will talk about that and, you know, say, look at how he he violated rules here, violated rules there. But Michigan gets a championship and nothing else matters. Uh, is this exactly what the Chargers need? Well, yeah, there's no question about that, too. And he's going to get them on the board. They already have a ready-made quarterback. Tony, they have, positionally speaking, what you need to to be a high-level team in the NFL right there. You got the quarterback. You got the wide receiver. You got edge rushers. You got guys in the secondary that are playmakers. I mean, you have already ready made. You add Jim Harbaugh to that. Jim Harbaugh will get this thing going sooner rather than later. The question always is, as we saw at Michigan, as we have seen prior with Jim Harbaugh, I guess he was 10 years in San Fran, so you know maybe this doesn't necessarily apply. It does seem like that he has a shelf life. He has a shelf life, obviously, in Michigan for a variety of reasons. He's had a shelf life in the past for maybe not completely getting along with those that are making the decisions above him, a general manager, an owner, whatsoever. But this is a perfect situation for him, too. And I'm going to be interested, because in Southern California, if there's something that people don't give a crap about, it's the Chargers. And we'll see if all of a sudden that changes up at SoFi, if he gets everybody inspired, gets them back on the winning track, and that's what I fully expect. Shelf life, not too long, but winning normally doesn't take very long either when Jim Harbaugh is the head coach, and it will not with the Chargers either. Is Harbaugh the – I don't know how to ask this question well, but forgive me. Harbaugh's style is different than, let's say, a Dan Campbell style in Detroit. Dan Campbell is the kind of just hard-edged, down-to-the-core football guy you want. Harbaugh comes across as a guy who's a little bit nutty. And I think that difference, it leads to the question of, is Harbaugh good for the NFL? I think he's great for the NFL. 
I do. Here's one of the reasons, too. You talk about Dan Campbell and Harbaugh. They both actually played. They played, and that gets a running start when you're preaching stuff to guys that may be sick and tired of hearing it right in that locker room. They, they take it probably more so than they would somebody that had not played the game. So they've got that. And then wherever Harbaugh has been, he's had a great deal of success. And wherever he's been, he's made guys. I mean, look, for example, what he did with Colin Kaepernick. Look what he did as a quarterback in San Francisco there. And look how that thing fell off after that with Kaepernick. I mean, he's a guy that can just inspire, and especially with that quarterback. And that's what I talked about with the Chargers. He's got a really good quarterback that I would bet would now move to elite-level quarterback just by virtue of being around Jim Harbaugh. That's what he does. Now, he'll wear people out. He'll wear everybody out. Don't get me wrong about that. But he will inspire. He will raise Barr and Justin Herbert, and that team will be much better. Now, I don't know how deep they'll go in the postseason next year. They'll get to the postseason next year, unlike this year. But in a couple of years, I would bet they're going to be challenging for a Super Bowl. It's not going to take very long. Let's move it over to who's going to challenge for a Super Bowl this year. The Chiefs versus the Ravens in Baltimore. The Lions versus the 49ers. In uh, San Francisco, let's start with that Chiefs-Ravens game. Man, the Bills are cursed. It is very, very obvious. And the Ravens look unstoppable. And against uh, the Texans, that seemed very obvious, too. Where's your bet here? Um, well, I, I, San Francisco, I'll start right there. The only, Really, the only thing I have with the Niners is the health of Debo Samuel. Because unlike a lot of teams where the gauge – as their quarterback, and you can make an argument that Brock Purdy comes out there and throws interceptions, whatever they'll lose. But the real true gauge between that that being a great team and uh, being a so-so team that could be beaten at home by Detroit is the health of Debo Samuel. So that's something we'll watch over the course of the weekend. But I still like the Niners in that case, especially with their defense, and even with a mixed in a little bit of offense against the Lions in that secondary. And I just, I don't know, man. It just kind of feels like it's Lamar Jackson's to me, Tone. I mean, it really does. Kansas City's really good. They've proven, as you mentioned, in Buffalo, like you get this done now on the road. Got a lot going for them. Patrick Mahomes, no doubt about that. But this just kind of feels like this is Lamar Jackson's time. There's always been that conversation about, hey, this guy is dynamic, but he never wins in the postseason. He never gets them to where he needs to get them, and he's always going to fall short. It just seems like, Tony, that this is the time for Lamar Jackson to prove all those doubters and then to hand all those that have been critical a big bunch of crow to eat because I think this is going to be his moment, Baltimore wins or Super Bowl, San Fran and the Ravens, which, by the way, we have seen before with the two hardballs when the lights went out. Now, I, 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 my take on this is solely emotional, and, and, and sure. it's a terrible way to – to go about it. First of all, Debo Samuel, uh, uh, wide receiver, did uh, practice Thursday, right? He did show up for practice yeah. Thursday. So uh, one has to assume that unless he's on a gurney somewhere, he's going to play in this game against the Lions, even if he's a decoy. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, do I think he's going to miss it? No. I, I just, to me, he's been the gate for that team. I mean, he is. And, you take his normal offensive output away in any capacity, that will even 
the common ground areas between those two teams even more. I don't think it's going to be enough, again, to turn the tide, for example, away from San Fran, but it's certainly something significant to watch, even if he does play how active he is, how productive, important he is in the grand scheme of things, trying to deal with that injury. But there's no doubt that I would pull for the Lions uh, over the 49ers. I just, this this Cinderella thing, you know, the idea that even this is coming for the Lions a year too early, uh, that maybe next year you would have thought them in this position, uh, and certainly pulling for the Ravens over the Chiefs because nobody wants to see Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey anymore. We're done. Thank you very much. Please make this stop. I Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from on that because it's funny. You go from a team that, oh, it's so fun to watch, look at him get up and down the field. To, Man, I wish everybody would shut up about talking about him. I'm sick of this. We all know. You know, these outside, these global entertainment circumstances also have taken over game to game, too. So that would have a tendency to wear people out. I just think Lamar Jackson, this is going to be his time. And you have to question, I think, too, Tony, don't you? That if it's not Lamar Jackson's time, then when is going to be a better time? It just seems like this is his moment. And I think I think San Francisco is going to be a little bit better than Detroit in this. And, again, you're going to get a, a rematch of a, a prior Super Bowl just with uh, a different coach and another Harbaugh still involved, too. But, hey, by the way, you mentioned this. The other thing about Detroit, you know, you say, well, maybe you're ahead of schedule. Just think about Philadelphia. Philadelphia, everybody thought, man, you know what, they're ahead of schedule. Look at them. Here they go. And, you know, they're nowhere to be found right now. And they got, you know, all their coordinators poached, one of which the offensive coordinator in Indy, Jonathan Gannon, in, in Arizona, kind of wonder if, you know, maybe the Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, gets poached by one of these remaining teams that needs a head coach here. So things in that moment can drastically change. That's why you have to take advantage of that moment when it's happening. We'll see if the Lions can do that on the road. JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time. Tony Katz, this is Tony Katz today. Be right back. Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he pitched a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened. And he should feel threatened, without a doubt. It also goes back to why I've continued to push for mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. that he would take one and he'd challenge me to one and that he would beat me. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But what I said is, okay, well, if that's the case, then get on a debate stage and let's go. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. Bring it. This is, this is where we are now in the, in the campaign. We're in the bring it segment of the primaries. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, there is no situation I can see where Donald Trump is on a debate stage with Nikki Haley. I I don't see it because for that to happen, Trump has to lose somewhere, which means Nikki Haley has to be able to last for that to happen. If she should stick around through Super Tuesday and they split the Super Tuesday states, quite literally an equal split, then we can have a conversation. But that is such an insane road. So let's say this, 
She has to win South Carolina for Trump to get on a debate stage. And the numbers don't show that. They do not. Trump still ahead by 30 points. So, I don't think we're going to get our wish. Or her, she's not going to get her wish. Competency tests for everybody running for president? Oh, that's a dream everybody has. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's a ruling that says 15 to 2 that Israel should not destroy evidence of crimes against Palestinians. Do you agree with that ruling at least? Again, without making it clear that we haven't seen such crimes and we've seen no indication of such crimes, obviously, uh, uh, we respect the court's role as an arbiter of of, of solving peaceful disputes, um, and we would not want to see anybody, should there be that kind of evidence in any situation, uh, move to destroy that evidence. That is John Kirby speaking at the White House, where they've had a heck of a day. A heck of the day at the White House, and it starts with this, and it's a story that is super wonk, but we're going to try our best to break it down, although there's going to be more explanation over the weekend. It could be easily uh, summarized as the green fanatics desperately want you to freeze to death. Now, that could be a headline. Instead, the Associated Press writes, Biden delays consideration of new natural gas export terminals, citing climate risk. I'm sorry, we're not going to export natural gas? We, we, we can do this. We, we've got this skill set. This we're not going to export? Why don't you explain what's going on here? Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. Since day one, President Biden has led the most ambitious climate agenda in history, unlocking clean energy breakthroughs, advancing environmental justice, and rallying the world's leaders to transition away from fossil fuel. And, uh, And whether it's historic hurricanes, floods, or wildfires, the science is clear. Climate change is is the existential threat of our time. So today, the Biden-Harris administration announced a temporary pause on pending decisions on exports of liquefied natural gas to, uh, to certain countries until the Department of Education can update the underlying assessments. Uh, last time I hold, was told the science was clear, it was we had to be six feet apart from each other uh, because of COVID. And the last time I heard the science was clear, uh, we had to wear a mask because of COVID. But we didn't have to wear it when we sat down in a restaurant to eat only when we stood up because the COVID only hit at a certain height. The science is clear. You're willing to sacrifice lives because the science is clear. A temporary pause on exports of liquefied natural gas. They're delaying the consideration, but gas shipments to Europe and Asia have gone up. Why? Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Remember, even Germany was like, we're going to get our natural gas from Russia. And Trump was president at the time. Are you nuts? 
And then it turns out, yes, they were. And they gave up the nuclear. And instead, by the way, of those winters and everybody freezing to death, they instead turned to coal. But the environmentalists who really don't like the fact that you exist, they don't like the increase in exports uh, in liquefied natural gas. You'll see it written as LNG, liquefied natural gas. They think it'll bring catastrophic planet warming emissions. And here's how Biden puts it. While MAGA Republicans willfully deny the urgency of the climate crisis, condemning the American people to a dangerous future, my administration will not be complacent. We will not cede to special interests. We will heed the calls of young people in frontline communities who are using their voices to demand action from those with the power to act. Last, I checked the polling from Pew. Uh, and Producer Carl, uh, you can uh, you can double check me uh, on this wasn't uh, the 18 to 29 year olds, didn't they have uh, Biden's unfavorables at 71%? That sounds right. Yeah, I think that was right too, producer Carl. Thank you there. Uh, 71%, but he's uh, he's going to heed the call of, of young people. If you don't sell the liquefied natural gas to Europe, they're going to have to get it somewhere, right? Where are they going to get it from? They're going to get it from somewhere. The most radical thing the the uh, environmentalists ever did was make the assumption that somehow third world nations and second world growing nations are willing to die, freeze to death, and starve to death because of some nutty greenie here in the United States who's worried about the environment. They're not willing to starve. They're not willing to freeze to death. These up-and-coming countries are thirsty as a you-know-what, and they're going to get their energy from somewhere. And I have a good guess as to where that's going to come from. Must I continue? This is madness. Madness of a position. The environmentalists are like, oh, this is savvy. Here's the quote. Biden wants young people who care about climate above all in his corner. They were angry about his dumb approval of the Willow Oil Project. Do you really think that young people care about climate above all? I'm not arguing that there are some radicals uh, there. I'm, I'm not saying that there's some radicals who see climate above all. But climate's not above all. First, you have to believe that somehow we're all going to die if we don't do without. 
We shouldn't have air conditioning. You shouldn't have a gas furnace. By the way, doesn't this play in nicely to uh, the, the lack of gas this, gas that, gas the other? They should be able to control your power. You shouldn't have to, shouldn't be able to cool your house less than 79 degrees. And you shouldn't be able to drive when we tell you that the grid is busy. Who would want less energy? This administration is out of their minds. This is horrific. Horrific. Did I mention horrific? Horrific policy they have a climate advisor don't you know the climate advisor uh, Ali Zaidi Z-A-I-D-I and people are like you know if, if you know we're not the first people to notice this if, if you cut off liquid natural gas exports isn't this a big win for Russia and his answer what um, assurances on U.S. LNG can you give allies? And second, can you just also just respond to the criticism we've heard today, uh, particularly from the industry, that essentially the administration has handed a win to Russia? Look, we have, I think, um, beat expectations in terms of our uh, the speed and alacrity with which we've moved uh, to be a forceful uh, ally uh, to folks facing down uh, energy challenges, especially um, uh, our partners in Europe. Um, just to rewind, uh, in the uh, right after the invasion, the Russian invasion, um, the U.S. and the EU got together. We launched a task force um, to focus on energy security. And what that looked at was short-term needs, medium-term, and long-term. Let me translate that for you here, here, because I've been doing this a while. I, I, I know some things. Uh, I ran this uh, through the uh, through the computers. Here's what he said. Good translation. Just had to make sure we understood. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's making it up as he goes along. I mean, we're in the world of straight up Kamala Harris word salads. Can you share the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that this rule would cut in the short term? Can you detail that in any specific way for people to understand? That's a really, I think that's part of what this uh, review is all about, is to understand what are the implications of LNG. Um, We've started to learn more about leakage rates at different parts of the supply chain, upstream, midstream, downstream. We've started to learn a lot about what happens to uh, LNG as it's chilled and then shipped uh, overseas. Um, We're also seeing major shifts in uh, the demand for this product. What is it backing out on the other end. Um, You think about a lot of our allies and partners who use that LNG today actually are on a trajectory to back out that demand, uh, to replace it with things like clean energy and energy efficiency. Have they they backed out of it right now? What are they supposed to do about right now? Not this weird future fantasy that you have that everybody is working on a windmill, you know, that, that it's taking care of all our power needs. What's the plan right now? Oh, that's right. You have no plan. We got it. We got it. However, 
he was able to let you know that we are indeed all going to die. If the question is, does the science urge us to find every single way to move as quickly as we can, faster and faster each day to take on the climate crisis? It does. It's code red. That's what the scientists say. Yes, the scientists have been telling us it's code red since the days of Al Gore. And before that, it was code red, but to the cooling, not to the warming, which then became the climate change because the cooling and the warming made them look too silly. By the way, someone, uh, where was it? Timothy there on on the uh, X said, I missed something in um, what uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre said uh, towards the towards the end. Let me. Let me see if I can should find announce it. a temporary pause on pending decisions on exports of liquefied national natural gas to uh, to certain countries until the Department of Education can update the underlying assessments. Oh, Department of Education. She meant the Department of Energy, right? To uh, to certain countries until the Department of Education can update the underlying assessment. Until the Department of Education can until the Department of Education can until the Department of Education. Can, she meant, she did mean the Department of Energy. Nicely, nice pickup, Timothy. Nicely done. Well played. Um, tell me again how these people aren't just flat out dangerous. Dangerous. And if this is the way they act on the idea of being able to ensure that our allies and partners aren't going to our enemies to get their energy needs met, well then, it's the same conversation as the border. They claim to want to take care of a thing, but they don't make any moves to take care of a thing. As a matter of fact, their supporters all go in the direction of, well, it's political. These Republicans are just terrible because Trump tells them not to do it. What in the world does Trump have to do with any of this? This has been a problem for years. We're now to a level of finally getting everybody to pay attention. Pass some legislation to make the border better. Build the fence. Add the technology. Keep Remain in Mexico. These are good, smart things. Let's go. Let's do the thing. But if you want to now just blame Trump, nothing gets done. You don't want to sell liquid natural gas? Well, these people aren't going to stay cold. The Biden administration is going to throw crazy cash in the Russians' pocket. And then we're going to keep, what, supporting Ukraine? With the money we don't have from LNG sales? This election can't come soon enough. I'm Tony Katz. Do you hear me? The Georgia State Do Senate approving a committee. To investigate Fannie Willis. Oh. oh, you just love to see it. 30 to 19 was the vote. 
Willis, of course, the district attorney of Fulton County. And Willis, of course, the one who hired her lover. I do love saying that. Uh, uh, Nathan Wade to be the prosecutor against Donald Trump. But, of course, uh, he spent a couple days in the White House before the prosecution took place, and then he divorced his wife, trying to leave her with nothing while he was getting paid a sweetheart salary by his lover, Fanny Willis, uh, much more than she was willing to pay other prosecutors who weren't giving her, um, I don't know, the special prosecution. I don't know. I don't know. Is that what the way it's said? Is that what the kids say? Can someone check on Urban Dictionary and see if that's if that's terminology? Do not check Urban Dictionary at work. Whatever you do, keep your job. Do it's bad enough you're listening to the show while you're working. Do not check Urban Dictionary. I'm telling you right now. Just just trying to keep you employed. That's it. That's all I'm trying to. All I'm trying to do. Oh, yeah, she was giving him all sorts of money that she wouldn't pay anybody else. He gets rid of his wife. They're going on vacations. Uh, I seemingly paid for by the, the DA's office. And now she's being investigated. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Now, does this change... The, the the case against Trump regarding uh, Rico and and some racketeering to engage in an election fraud. I don't think it changes any of the charges, although I find the charges to be nutty. The idea that you would state that it was a conspiracy under Rico, I mean, that's exactly why they're doing it, because this is state, not federal, and there is no way to to kind of mitigate the, the circumstance. Um, no, I don't think it changes anything like that, but it could, and most probably will at this stage of the game, cause delays. And delays for Team Trump as they run for president are not a bad thing. This goes back to the idea of speedy trial, how Jack Smith, uh, the prosecutor, special counsel, uh, in, in regarding January 6th, is looking to have a speedy trial. Who in the world cares whether or not the prosecutor, the special counsel, is looking to have a, a, a speedy trial? It's completely inconsequential what it is the prosecution wants. It is the defense that is entitled to a speedy trial. The defendant gets the speedy trial. And if they want to delay it, well, they can engage a delay because they think it's better for their client. What do you have to say, Joe Biden? Cost 10 bucks to make it. 10 bucks to make it. Is that right? 10 bucks. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what that's a reference to. But there he was in front of the brewery. And, uh, you know, it's just comedy. Him in front of the brewery is just is so damning and damaging to 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 him in the eyes of the voter it it doesn't get it doesn't get much worse and i'm just i'm on, I'm on record that they're going to change uh him uh, they're 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 going to this is happening in real time 
Uh, I've got some updates uh, on Texas to get to. Uh, and uh, look, I, I am convinced that by the time Abbott is back, Abbott's been, Greg Abbott's been in India uh, for, for an event. That's the country. Um, the question of are we going to see a confrontation? I would argue that the answer is we're going to see some kind of confrontation because, well, the Biden team might think they need it. What does it look like? That's what we're going to break down next week. But I've got more to get to. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. not going to hear me oppose the meta deal at all you got 800 million dollars a data system meta is is facebook i should say it's a data center not a data system and this is wonderful this is great news going into the jeffersonville area tony katz tony katz today good to be with you Seven hundred thousand square feet the 22nd data center in the world 18th in the united states this is this is good stuff. This is valuable stuff. This should not be the only stuff. When when we think of the economic development in Indiana, it should not be just tech. We have to get out of this idea. Now, it's funny, it's an 800 million dollar investment, but it's 100 jobs. I'm not opposing the 100 jobs nor the 1200 construction jobs that come with it. I like the investment because I like how it can breed other opportunities. This is a data center. This is this is servers and whatnot. There will be technicians and electrical engineers, etc. Et, et but so much we focus on the tech. So much we focus on uh, the, the 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 very idea of of coding. We don't focus on the other things. We need to be focused on all of the gigs. There was a conversation that took place yesterday amongst the Republican candidates for governor. And I, I am not sharing my, my take on, on where I'm at on this because I'm waiting to do interviews with all of them. I'm not going to, to say anything until I really get a chance to dig in. But, and I'm not commenting on this, this event that took place in Carmel, Indiana. First Principles Forum put this together. It was, it was well done. The questions were asked by Joy Pullman of the Federalist, uh, and uh, and Fanchon Stinger, formerly an anchor with Fox 59. And the questions were were excellent about health care and about education. They, they, they were pointed. They were direct. They, they, they were excellent, excellent questions. It was, it was really, really smart, really well done. I'm not going to get into the answers and and the and the intricacies of the answers right cuz that would be playing my hand i don't want to do that just yet but there was a big conversation of should the state be focused on education or should the state be focused on economic growth and what does that economic uh what does that economic growth look like what does that education look like it it was it was worthy it wasn't a debate it was a forum where everybody answered the questions it wasn't an actual debate a, a back and forth kind of thing Although there were one or two comments here and there towards other candidates and candidates responded, etc. We are not benefited by saying we are all in and only in on coding. 
That is a mistake. Not every Hoosier is going to code. It's a mistake to say that. It would equally be a mistake if we didn't ensure that elementary school, middle school, high schoolers knew that this was um, available to them. If they didn't know that this is available to them, this opportunity exists, that would be equally a mistake. We should be offering these things up, sharing these possibilities while we share other possibilities as well. I cannot state it enough that to push the idea that we should be demanding coding classes in high school, but not classes on how to balance a checkbook and how to invest for the future and how to set up a retirement, we are missing the forest for the trees. Now, you could also say to me, Tony, we can do both. I'm not going to argue with you. We'll totally do both. But if I'm going to rank the things, if I'm going to rank uh, the, the, the things, uh, balancing a checkbook is more important. Understanding your budget is more important. Because there are 9 million ways to learn how to code, but it doesn't seem that we do the equal amount of, of, of workshopping in these basics and where Indiana can really outshine the competition is by engaging this basic. And so I've been, I've been very much focused on this idea. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've shared this be- before. I've gotten into the idea of investing in, 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 in that why, don't, why aren't we teaching kids how to invest? How money builds over time. Why, if they're 16, 17, 18, and they're working a, a summer job and they put away just $10 or $50 a week, $20, whatever the number is, how that builds over time. Why time is on their side if they start now. Why this is something to focus on now. And so I started asking myself, with, with everything that we're willing to, to give, everything that we do, you talk about money that goes to things everywhere, everywhere. Why aren't we doing it about this? And I will give you an absolutely ridiculous example. Backpacks. We in Indiana just love ourselves a backpack drive. Oh, do we love giving away backpacks? School starts, we're having a backpack drive, and we're going to give backpacks to all the kids who need backpacks. It's going to be filled with notebooks and pens and pencils and everything else. This is a terrible idea. I do not deny that there are families in need and being able to have their kid with the basic school necessities isn't a value. I put forward to you that people know that this group and that group and the other group are going to give away a couple thousand backpacks. They don't even bother. They just show up and pick up a backpack. After all, it's being given to them. It is a conditioning that exists based on a do-goodery that doesn't do any good. A student or a family learning that a backpack is just going to be delivered doesn't do any good. That is not to say that there aren't families and kids who are unbelievably thankful for the backpack because it's not something they can afford right now. But both situations would be better off if the all that money raised 
for a backpack drive was actually put into helping kids start an investment future. We take a look at surpluses and a whole series of things. Why not create investments to their future? Help them create investments to their future. Managed investments. We, we, we don't allow the, the risky stuff. We'll, we'll stick with blue chips. Someone may have a better idea than I. Someone may have an idea why this can't work. But what would a kid be better off with? A backpack or a way of being shown how to grow their money so as they make a living, no matter how big or how small, they learn to pay themselves first. <laughs> they learn how to, how to manage their dollars, how to balance a checkbook, how to build a budget, how to accept the fact that it's okay not to have a new car. You don't need to have a new car right off the bat. You can wait. How about how when you buy a first house, it doesn't have to be 5,000 square feet. It can be 1,200 square feet. It doesn't have to have granite countertops. All those, all those remodeling shows, and you've, you've gone as crazy as I. Oh, I, uh, all right, so uh, I need to have granite countertops, and I, and I need to have stainless steel appliances. Why? I don't know. And, and, and I need to have a big yard, and it needs to have this, it needs to have that, and, and I only have $122,000 to spend. What, what are you talking? You're not going to get that. Why are we even assuming that we should entertain the idea that you're going to get that? As a matter of fact, you don't need any of that. Your first place doesn't need stainless steel appliances. It needs a stove that will heat the macaroni and cheese. That's what you need. Stop believing these people that you need this, you need that, or worse, you're entitled to this, you're entitled to that. You ain't entitled to a holy damn thing except the fruits of your own labor. So let's teach that. Let's teach that. Let's explore that. Let's work on that. And instead of every single drive being some, hey, look at what a good company we are. We're providing this and we're providing that. What if we provide the actual resources that help Hoosier kids, black and white and Asian and Hispanic and gay and straight and all across the spectrum get ahead? What if we were the state that wasn't like everybody else saying we're going to focus on coding, but we focused on economic competence? And economic competence does not rely on a specific skill set for a job later on down the road. We set them up so they learn coding, so they get a job in coding, but we don't ever tell them what to do about the money. We don't ever say to them, if you go to college, you're going to have this much debt, but if you take these three boot camps, you'll have it paid off in six hours. What are we really focusing on? We focus on ideas without questioning the result of the end product. The end product should be capable Hoosiers who are like, holy crap, this is awesome. Oh my gosh, Indiana is so much more of a bargain. There's so much more to do compared to these other states. I'm not going anywhere. I'm keeping my brain here. Economic competence will lead to, I believe, a lower brain drain. The brain drain is, you know, we, we take these kids and they graduate college and they're super bright and then they go to Tennessee because Nashville's cooler. 
if we teach them about economic success, if we teach them that you're going to spend your way too much money if you spend every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night on Broadway in Nashville looking for the woohoo girls. The, the woohoo girls, by the way, are the ones celebrating uh, someone's wedding, and you know them because they're the ones yelling, woohoo! That's, that's the, that's the woohoo girls right there. You didn't think I knew that? Yeah. Ah, oh, please. You can't get culture by me, kitten. That's not the way it works. Create their opportunities by helping them actually build things that are theirs. That's the other part of this. The free backpack is a thing and it's disposable because next year there's going to be a new backpack. Your investment account, your hard-earned money, this is yours. This is you building yours. This is you getting yours. And we should speak about it in that kind of vernacular. You need to get yours. Here's how it's done. I have argued that if a a gubernatorial candidate were serious, they would be working on um, videos like Khan Academy, teaching kids in Indiana how to invest, and they'd be doing it with 50 Cent. They'd be doing it with, uh, uh, oh, who's the guy from Shark Tank? Oh, come on. Uh, Shark Tank host, Damon John? Is that his name? They'd be doing it with Damon John. That's exactly the thing to be doing. I'd be doing it with Warren Buffett. What, they're going to say no? I think for this, they're going to say yes, because this is exactly where we should be. An $800 million data center is good for Indiana. I like it. I like it a lot. But it's not the end-all, be-all. Coding is not the end-all, be-all. We have a lot of different opportunities for a lot of different Hoosiers who have a lot of different skill sets. But all those skill sets need economic competency in order to grow and to live good lives as Hoosiers. So let's teach them. Let's give them. Let's help them build an economic future and know how to control it and be empowered by it and know that this is theirs, that Indiana helped them get theirs. So they stay in Indiana and we grow even bigger and better. You tell me where my plan is off base. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. political side of the uh, proposed border uh, control uh, situation that uh, Trump is trying to manipulate. The politics of that is you also have Governor Abbott sending thousands of migrants into mostly Democratic uh, cities uh, that uh, black mayors are in charge. You have the politics of it where this bill uh, or this solution, many progressives don't like, but they're willing to do something for the greater good. Talk about that, because it's not like they're giving the woke crowd or the progressives anything that uh, those of us considered progressive would want. This is something that uh, is going to take some political maturity on all sides, and they don't even want to give that. Give what? Give to whom? With all due respect, 
like Al Sharpton deserves any respect. Freddy's Fashion Mart, some of us remember. What the hell are you talking about? And take this whole, they're sending the immigrants to black mayors and just shove it. This is a nonsense conversation. Those cities said they were sanctuary cities. Now take the people, smile, and shut up about it. Wait, are you allowed to say that in today's America? Just me? Just me? Okay. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Governor Abbott. Only sending where the black mayors are in charge. This uh, falls in line with what it is that the mayor of Chicago, uh, the, the the socialist, right? Uh, Democratic socialist, please, all commies. Uh, Brendan Johnson uh, had to say that this is racist what's happening. No one cares what you think uh, and, and when you engage that kind of conversation. Get it understood. You can scream racism from now until the end of time. No one cares. We're sick and tired of your voice and of your nonsense, of these lies and this garbage, this hatred. Everything is racial at every moment. Tell Joe Biden it's time for a border policy that works, not comprehensive immigration reform. That's nonsense. Technology at the border to stop illegal crossings today. Remain in Mexico across the board and implemented today. Where do we need more Border Patrol agents and actually hiring them? Today. The wall? Today. I just gave you four things to stop the flow of illegal immigrants. Then we can work on part two. Those who want to have work in the United States, because we absolutely do need it. Those who actually have a case for asylum and those who lie need to be sent back never to return. Implement those policies today. Right now. Not something where it's like, well, we, we, we gave uh, the Republicans something to vote on. They didn't vote on it. That's a nonsense proposition. And it doesn't go with Ukraine funding. It happens now, standalone. And the people who scream racism about having to deal with the issues Texas has to deal with forget that they're screaming anything. We can fix this. We just have to do it. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.